yes, oh yes, oh yes. This is the first episode of the Midlife Crisis Podcast. My name is Jim Whalen, part of the Chop Sports family here in Matawan, New Jersey. Uh, I figured there wasn't enough podcasts in the world. I'm probably very, 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 very late to the game, but here I am. Uh, I guess you get to a point in your life where you want to take a fork in your road. And with two, three, two of my three kids in college, my wife, Colleen said to me, uh, what are you going to do with yourself? You got to do something creative. So uh, I was always into into sports. Uh, I was always into uh, writing. So I did a couple of screenplays, wrote a movie, tried to shop, shop that around, uh, wrote a documentary, shop that around, didn't any, any avail. Then next thing you know, we had the uh, strike, ended up uh, not going anywhere. Uh, had a few ideas swimming around in my head. Couple of my colleagues, uh, shout out to Eddie G. Manage, started her own podcast. So a light bulb, light bulb went off in my head. Um, and listening to Steve Harvey, he's like, "When are you going to jump? When when are you going to jump? When are you going to try something new? When are you get, you know, try any successful person or anybody who has something in their lives, they they jump. They went and did it. They jumped off that cliff. So here I am. This is episode number one. Um, I really also wanted. Growing up in New Jersey, uh, basketball was big. Growing up in Elizabeth, basketball was even even bigger. So there's a lot of history there. So a lot of the a lot of the podcast is going to be circled around conversations, basketball conversations, high school, college, professional basketball. It's uh, different topics. Hope the listeners can relate at home, whether they're at a dance practice, whether they're mowing the lawn, or whether they're just hanging out in their basement. That they. They can relate to these stories. I'm excited. I'm excited to be a part of a Chop Sports franchise, and I'm excited to have uh, my first guest. There's no person in the world probably fit a better profile than my, my first guest of the show. Uh, he coached a small Catholic uh, Catholic high, excuse me, high school for about 50 years. During that time, he had amassed about 28 uh, championships state championships at a small school with uh, 1,100 wins. 13 tournament champion champions, which is covers all of the high school champions in the state of New Jersey. Four national titles. So at four times he was the top high school team, had coached the top high school team in New Jersey. 200 Division I scholarships. He produced eight NBA players, one being his son. Countless uh high school and college coaches. 2010 high school, uh, 2010 uh, Hall of Fame inductee. He written he's part of three books, Miracle of St. Anthony, written by Adrian Warnowski. Two documentaries, The Street Stop, uh, Stop Here and uh Showtime Legacy, which which filmed his last season at at, at this um and its high school. Great husband, great father. He's the pride of New York City. Lastly, the father of 2023 uh, NCAA champion UConn Huskies, Dan Hurley. It's, a ple- it's my pleasure to introduce Coach Bob Hurley. Just wanted to thank you for, for your time. And, you know, are you still riding the high from, from last March Madness with your son, Dan, with UConn? It was great to see the yep. family all there celebrating the championship. We just tell a little bit about the, the tournament with uh, UConn. Yeah, you know, the um, you know expectation going in, you know, the word it, it, when you're playing at the college level, they had lost the previous two years in the first round. They lost to Maryland two years ago, and then they played uh, they played against um, New Mexico State 
and they were terrible against the game. I think it was where they were. And I'm trying to think they were in Albany. They were in New York. And uh, that ride back home was just brutal. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of soul searching there to, to do about, like, you know, how do you get your team ready, you know, whatever the season has been, to get ready for the beginning of the tournament. And, uh, you know, the way the season went for them, they played very well early. Jim, not so well in January. They struggled on the road and then uh, kind of found themselves, found out the things that people were doing against them. And then they uh, played well and then lost to Marquette in the semifinals at a Big East tournament. And so then Mar- you have a couple of days. Yeah, I thought Marquette might have been the team coming out of the Big East. Oh, yeah, Marquette uh, was, you know, like you, lost, you just lost to a really good team in the semis. And Marquette, uh, against Marquette, they had down the stretch in the game shooters had wide open looks and they missed about six in a row like joey cal who was coming into games last year and he just bang shots he had two wide open threes in a row in the game he was relaxed and missed them all and they lost by a couple so they yeah. approached the tournament you know we're playing well we 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 uh you know we could have won one more game and then play for the championship but uh here we go here we go that on friday in the tournament and uh you know, your, your opening game is, uh, you know, Patino, right? Iona, right? Yeah. Iona, Coach Patino. Again, as I said, they've lost two years in a row, and they're down two at halftime. And I can tell you that in the um, locker room, kids were fine. The assistant coaches were all nervous wrecks, and Danny went in and just <laughs> kind of, like, yelled and screamed at everybody that we're okay. You know, like, yeah. we, they, they give them credit. They shot really well in the first half. We'll tighten some things up, and I liked everything we did. And they went out and they outscored them by, uh, you know, twenty-five in the second half. And the rest of the the rest of the tournament, that was in every game, they pretty much built a lead, used their bench, and uh, played eight eight guys regularly, sometimes nine. All every one of them played well. It was just yeah, they, it was they, amazing to watch. They definitely took them to the deep end and 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 did a slow slow drown. And it was good to see because your grand your grandson was on the team. He got to get in the tournament a lot of games at, at the end. Yeah, so it was a surprise to grandfather. Yeah, it, it may have been erected for walk-ons. He played all six games. <laughs> <laughs> and and he did something. He, he did something in every game. Commit had a yeah. turnover, committed a foul, got a defensive rebound. Yeah. So he uh, made the stat sheet. So he was in the stat sheet for all six games. Yeah. It carried this, over the other night he got in. And his, he took one shot the other night to get in about the last two minutes, and he stuck a three. And I think yeah. the, the his six-game experience last year made the end yeah. of the game now a little yeah. more relaxing. Oh, well, that's good. But, I mean, Danny's <laughs> Danny's coaching, I mean, unorthodox. I mean, he went – was an assistant at, at Rutgers with Kevin Bannon, that whole thing. Started back up at St. St. Benedict's, and then he was with Wagner with your son Bob. And then, you know, then he had – got the job at URI, took them to the Sweet 16, and then UConn. So it's a little unorthodox. You think like a high school coach would, you know, I, I know you had job offers. You think that that's that's something you would see again, a high school coach going to win a national championship? That's pretty unique. Uh, you know, you don't have in – law in the old days, everybody used to blame Jerry Faust, the high school football coach who went from Mola High School, went to Notre Dame, and it did, did not do very well. And then uh, the very good high school coach from Dunbar in Baltimore, Bob Wade, he went sure. to Maryland 
and he did not have a good experience there. So everybody was in high school figured, all right, the, that bridge has been burned now because the, you know, two different sports, high school coaches went up and did it. And uh, I think Danny, having had the four years at Rutgers and then going back to the high school ranks, he saw the college game. And then when you coach at St. Benedict's, it's like you're coaching a college because you have dormitories. They sure. recruit international students. They uh, they have to they have to monitor their uh, their their all day routine in in, uh, in Newark because the students at St. Benedict's are not allowed to leave the campus, so sure. you've got to make sure that you've got those kids busy. Sure, and and it's it's a little bit tough neighborhood there too. So it's just exactly uh, oh, yeah. So it's right no. and you, yeah, it's not like you have to have enough basketball after school that somebody doesn't want to sneak out and try to get to a playground or a rec gym to play. Yeah because you're out in a, in a place at night that's uh, you don't necessarily know. And cities sure. are rough, but cities are really rough. You don't know, you don't know where you are and where you shouldn't be. Sure. And as I said, a lot of, a lot of students coming from all of J.R. J.R. Smith, you know, he, he's done he was done well at St. Benedict's, but just a little preview with the outlook, you got your son, Bob, Arizona state, and then also uh, Dan up at uh, UConn, just talk a little bit about like what you, what you see as far as, where the team are going to be playing and just kind of like, I don't want you to prophesize anything, but like, what, what do you expect from the team? Well, it's, you know, this new Jim, because it is this new world of portal, uh, you know, I think UConn's got a lot more pieces returning. You know, he, he loses Sonogo and Jackson yeah. and Hawkins three. Yeah. The, the three NBA players. players right there. Great player. Yeah. I mean, they, they play great. All three of them. So you're, you're going to replace, that with other kids, but you're not going to have that same uh, athleticism and uh, uh, chemistry, but you can do it in a different way. And they look like they'll be very good, but playing differently, way more of a shooting team, uh, not as athletic because you're not going to replace Hawkins and uh, and uh, Andre Jackson's athleticism that who you sure. like. So uh, they'll be different, but I like what I've seen so far with them. And a Bobby's team at Arizona State, they're the uh, – the poster child for the uh, the portal. They have only three returning players. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, Frankie Frankie Collins, point guard. Yeah. Uh, Jemiah Neal, who's a wing, and Alonzo Gaffney, who's a uh, like a, a, a power forward, and then nine new guys. And they opened up the other night against Mississippi State out in Chicago. And they're not ready yet. They you can see these pieces. They still don't have a yeah. It's, it's tough. It, it, that's tough, but just and, and yeah, go you ahead. usually get the what do you call it, Jim? You usually get home games, like UConn will get a bunch of home games before the season starts now to sure. try to get your team ready. Bobby's gone out and he's going to play five games on neutral sites right away against good teams. And I think the reason is that he needs the NIL money that the tournaments give you for going. And that money is going to help for him with uh, with the players there with the NIL because I don't think they have the uh, they're getting destroyed with the in comparison to the other Pac-12 teams with the the money they can spend right now to yeah. work, you know, keep players happy. Because so many schools have like almost uh, they're uh, like a. Uh, uh, unlimited amount of money they they could pay these kids, so it, it just changed the game, it's yeah, like, literally. So just talk talk a little bit too about I mean you know. Yet both your sons had to go through some versity. Uh, Bob, physical, Dan, uh, uh, you know, a little, um, you know, he had a, 
you know, had some issues at Seton Hall. He had to work through still a thousand point score, but both as a dad, like you talked a little bit about their adversity, you know, following a son and, and, and that, that, that type of thing. Yeah. I think, I, I think they both had, you know, we, we all go through things in life and they both had different situations. Danny had some issues with, you know, I think the best way to characterize it is performance anxiety. He was mm, constantly sure. putting pressure on himself. And if you put pressure on yourself, you go out and try to hit a golf ball or, you know, you go out and uh, you want to hit a baseball and you sure. try too hard. You just, you can't perform. You have to relax in sports participation. He couldn't do it. And then Bobby, yeah. uh, you know, Bobby had a bad accident, which curtailed a, a career in, in basketball. Sure. But he had, uh, you know, he was just late to the late to the dance, uh, getting into coaching. When, when Danny went to the college level, they were talking, and all of a sudden yeah. he uh, is leaving Florida and, and moving back up here to to uh, to get into coaching. It was in it. I think he it was something he always thought about. He just didn't know how to get the process started. With Danny, Danny started with me right after he finished playing in college. He worked sure. with me for a year, and then he went to Rutgers, and then then went to when then went to St. Benedict. So he kind of knew he was going to teach and coach, but I don't think he ever thought he was going to do it to college level. I think Danny yeah. thought he was going to be high school coach like me, and you know he was going to be history teacher and coach. And it it, it went out. It's been you know hugely different, and uh, I know Bobby's yeah. happy to be back in it, and uh, and now both yeah. of them. You know, you you, you got to get to the tournament. That's the criteria for, yeah. uh, you know, and then when you get there, nobody's happy. Now you have to go someplace in the tournament. Yeah. So and also getting back to yourself, do you miss coaching at all? I know that, you know, after all, like after that 2000, you know, when St. Anthony's closed, did you, did you miss it? Like when it, when it came around in this, yeah, time, it this was, time? Yeah, I, I would I would think that if um, if the school was still open, uh, I take care of myself. You know, I'm 76, but I uh, sure I work still out look good day. though. I, you know, I, I work at it. I work right mm. today. I rode the bike. I rode the bike in, uh, along the waterfront for an hour. Every mm. other day, I lift. I I did stuff here in the house, moving furniture about three hours worth of stuff today. And I do, <laughs> so, I do that every single yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. You got your honey do list, right? So <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I do. I mean, yeah. I literally set up for Christmas. So now the tree comes in. Everything's in place. I took oh. stuff out of storage. You all the things you do. Uh, when you got time, and then tonight, seven o'clock or nine o'clock, just Arizona and Duke will be on yeah. and watch that. And yeah. uh, uh, I got you know, I got Notre Dame and Rutgers football, I follow both of them. I'm so excited for where Rutgers is in football, but yeah. I, I still open the gym three days a week, so I do have young kids in Jersey City. We, we're offering them an opportunity to teach them how to play. We start on a foundation, Hurley Family Foundation, don't yeah. charge any of the kids, rent the gym work with them, get about 90 kids a day. So that to me is very fulfilling. It's like the cycle of life from starting in CYO coaching while yeah. playing in well, college and all the way back to the beginning. I, I was I was going to get to that, Coach. I know, I know that you started this foundation after St. Anthony's closed. You started the foundation to, just to kind of steal your hand. And how, how is this, the foundation doing and how and how is it, um, it you know, helping you, uh, you know, kind of stay busy in, in this. Yeah, you know, but for me personally, it's been, a, you know, it, it was a learning experience. I had a I run camps during the summer, so I'm used to being around younger kids. But uh, to get back in a gym and just solely work with young kids, uh, and then kids like kids going out for freshman basketball would also, also come to the gym. And we rented the St. Anthony's gym we practiced in, the gym downtown near the tunnel. And uh, we still had our equipment. So all we really had to do now was, uh, unlike the days when St. Anthony's was open, 
we would have to fundraise about a million and a half a year to keep the school open. Yeah. Uh, this is a pittance of that now. This isn't even yeah. uh, like 5% of that to, to rent the gym, to get insurance, uh, to get the kids. You know, every kid comes, get a reversible shirt. And we keep, uh, we send kids to basketball camp during the summer. Uh, we've now gotten involved with the local not-for-profits. You know, we, we, we know, since my wife and I, we've lived here our whole lives. We know where the battles are in Jersey City and who needs money. And so we sure. make sure that we, we provide money to different places. And we also, uh, we, we have a scholarship thing now in a bunch of the schools. And we call it the Sweep the Sheds. And it's based on the rugby, uh, the, the All Blacks in Rugby have sure. a motto about you, every place you go, you want to leave the place in a better way, place than when you got there. And so what we do this in all the vocational schools and the Jersey City schools, and we give out $1,000 scholarships to kids to use for expenses going into college. And we gave out, I think last year, we gave out about uh, 40 or 50 of those. So we gave a bunch of kids an opportunity to have some expense, nice. you know, money, buy books and stuff, get, get ready for school. And we're also now involved with uh, St. Dominic's Academy here in Jersey City. Sure. It's the only, girl, it's the only girls' school left in Hudson County. And... Uh, with not-for-profits, about 70% of the money in not-for-profits go to men. So when we saw this, we felt we really needed to get away from what we know and do something. So we were involved there. And we, we've, I think we've been able to raise uh, well over $100,000 for them in the last two years. Uh, oh, that's nice. And they need it. And you oh, probably yeah, can't absolutely. even recognize. And like St. Anthony's, it's, it's hard. It's, they knocked the building down. You can't even recognize where the school was. So, I mean, I know growing up in Jersey City, people have said that Hamilton Park, I mean, it's a beautiful park. But, you know, 20, 30 years ago, those you couldn't walk through it. It, it. it was it was a rough neighborhood. Absolutely. You couldn't you couldn't sell the brownstones there in the 80s for $20,000. And now they're all worth, you know, upwards of uh, two, three, four million dollars. It's beautiful. That's how, that's, it was a rough, it was a downtown there near St. Anthony's. Yeah. Kids going to practice, they always went as a group. After practice, you went to the bus as a group. You didn't walk alone because rough, it was, it was rough when I went to high school uh, a thousand years ago downtown. And yeah. it, it's not that way now, but yeah, through the St. Anthony's years it was. Yeah, it's nice. But just get back to your time at St. Anthony's. Would you find it harder? to deal with Ferris High School or the Archdiocese of Newark trying to close? Which one, if you had to compare the two? I know Ferris was like a big uh, rivalry. Well, Ferris was, Ferris was a, a deadly rivalry, but it yeah. was, relatively speaking, uh, there was transparency. You knew you were playing with high school basketball rules and the referees, <laughs> you might not like them, but they weren't, yeah. uh, they weren't going to be, uh, you know, disingenuous. Whereas with the Archdiocese, there's, there's no question that they want to get out of the business of education, you know, and yeah, I mean, most of the I, school. I mean, I grew up in Elizabeth. There's not a Catholic grammar school, a Catholic high school in Elizabeth. So, yeah. I mean, and where I went to, yeah. I went to Roseau Catholic, you know, they're, they're, they're having funding issues too. Like, absolutely, you know, get students absolutely. and everything else. So it's just, it's just, it's sad to see because, you know, I know when you had your speaking circuit about this, about uh miracle of St. Anthony, you're like, we're dealing with Walmarts. We're like the mom and pop shop dealing with just fundraising. So we're, it's we're always about fundraising. Yeah. yeah. We're a bodega so. in Jersey city. And you know, and, what we also did though, is we had, we had 20 years school closed with 20 years straight of hundred percent college acceptance. So we had these kids coming from all these different places in the uh, you know inner city, going to high school, 
And then like, you know, getting tutoring, working extremely hard, setting goals, getting part-time jobs so they could save money. And uh, kids were all heading off to college. So that we were very proud of. And that was helping you know, create, uh, you know, generational wealth because they were going to wind up affecting their own their own siblings and, and, and raising families that would have, you know, a better chance because education clearly is the answer. And, and a lot of your players end up getting out of, of situations where they, they, you know, it was a, a cycle that they had to get out of. And also some of your players came back, you know, Jerry Walker came back, saw team Walker, you had Terry DeHair come back. So some of your, and also some of your players became high school coaches in the area too. So, I mean, yeah, we have you're a still, bunch of the kids. Yeah, a bunch of the yeah, kids are coaching at the high school level, college level. And, uh, you know, amazingly, though, know, when kids go away to college, they fall in love with the area that they go to school in. And many of the kids that left Jersey City that would never have imagined it happening, you know, uh, raised their families in, in places close to where they went to college. And a lot of them back. We still see a lot of them, you know. We had a 50-year reunion last year of the uh, our first state championship in 1973. And the guys came back from all over the United States. And uh, uh, that was, we did that on Selection Sunday. And they had a ball. And they, they watched, uh, you know, the selections. And everybody, uh, you know, everybody had it home with their with their reunion shirts and, uh, and a bunch of laughs. Yeah, so, I mean, and that that's great. I, I read the first book you had. I guess this was out in uh, the, I, I passed this around to make sure I always get this back, the Vital Loyalties. I think that was a very good yeah, yeah, very good read. But uh, do you ever like look back on like I think Pete Gillen got the job at Xavier and said, "Hey, Bob, come on, let, let's. I, I need you to come in." And you had, I guess, you sat at the dinner table and and uh, you know the family decided to stay in Jersey City. Do you ever think yeah. about like if you ever took that opportunity uh, going to Cincinnati, how different life would be, or, or, or not? No, not you the, know, uh, I, I've been I've been blessed, and I think I think watching Danny now vicariously. Uh, I, I live watching he and locally here, and then Bobby's different because we watch his games on television. We're not going to be traveling back and forth to uh, Arizona sure. to see games, but uh, no regrets. I love the 50 years I was St. Anthony's. If it was still open, I'd still be there. Uh, never, as long as my wife said that I didn't have to get another job because we didn't have <laughs> enough money for things, I was staying and coaching in high school. She, yeah. You know, she lowered the bar into her, her expectation when she married me, and it hasn't hasn't yeah. changed much over the years. So, you know, it, it worked out for us. You know, both the kids got scholarships. Bobby and Danny get scholarships to college. Because of that, my daughter, Melissa, was able to, you know, end co any college she wanted to go to because we, you know, you save money for education, and if you don't have to use it, you can certainly, you know, keep it aside to use it for, uh, for the next child, which we did. Yeah, and, like, Looking at the amount of money that's in school, in school now, I mean, you start out probation, Jersey City, like the amount of money these players are getting made, like what these what these coaches got. I mean, it's got to it's got to blow your uh, it's got to blow, blow your mind as far as where you started and where the game is now. I mean, it's basically a neighborhood oh, yeah. game, and now it's it's international. So, yeah, the uh, recruiting you have somebody who can uh, you know traverse all of the uh, you know uh, getting from country to country to watch players play. Got to be able to recruit the whole country. You know, St. John's at one time would be good if they just recruited the uh, the boroughs in New York and didn't have to do more than that. And I think Al McGuire, when he's at Marquette, used to have a, a Stegman, a Fred Stegman, who was a, they used to call him a, a, a bird dog. 
he would yeah. uh, he'd look at New York City players and he would tell Al McGuire, Al, you should go talk to this kid. He'd fly in and his presence was enough for kids to go to Marquette. And it was because successful. I mean, it was he had a successful yes. run out there in Marquette. Oh, yeah, great. He just got he would get Dean Memminger and so many players came out of New York that were just uh, New York, New Jersey. There were great players. Jimmy Boylan, who was the point guard when he won the national yeah, championship. And, and one of your one of your players, right? Mandy Johnson went out there. Uh, Man, Mandy played. Mandy played with Doc Rivers in the backcourt yeah, uh, right after they won a championship. They, you know, they had so. they always had you know strong connections here. Now it's uh, you got to get out and you got to build relationships early. And now you got to battle the NIL. What kind of money can a kid receive now? And with the transfer portal, you have to figure out how to coach them hard, but not too hard. Sure. Or, yeah, because if you coach them too hard, they're going to leave. So you yeah. got to figure out how to coach them hard. And in each kid, it's a little different. But it's a team supposed to be a democracy. So that, that part of it's got to be extremely difficult right now. Because if you believe that you win by hard work and team play, and then somebody's just not happy with how hard you work. That's a problem, by the way. Now I sent you a text and you called me back and say, Jim, I'm old school. Uh, you know, I have a flip phone, but like, <laughs> listen to Tom Izzo. Like he talked about Draymond Green and his, his development at Michigan state. I heard an interview with that. Do you feel like this brand of basketball is, is better or worse? I mean, do you feel like, like uh, this shopping around for the best opportunity? I mean, obviously choice and everything, but you feel like that's, you know, what's your opinions on the state of yeah, we, college baseball? Yeah, we get off. Yeah, the NCAA, when they didn't gradually do things, both with the portal and with the NIL, it became like just, it's like, you know, wide open Wild West right now. They're just, there's no, you know, there's no simple things. Like you're allowed uh, one transfer. Uh, one kid at Memphis this year was 27 years old. He was trying to play yeah, exactly. in his seventh year. And, uh, and the NCAA turned them down. But there are kids that played in five schools and six schools so far. Yeah. And they gave everybody the COVID year. So that added another year to everybody's careers. So it's it's been a mess. But the biggest is when they didn't resolve the Ed O'Bannon suit and just looking for the video game. And he wanted, if they were selling O'Bannon shirts, in the bookstore at UCLA, he just wanted to share in that because his name was being used. Yeah, and, and that's uh, yeah, and the Fed Five they did that in protest. They they came out all black one time when you know because the same thing that their their college students and the the university is benefiting from from their you know name like an image. So so yeah, and they and they didn't when they didn't address it properly, it went on and went on and went on, and now it's. High school kids have NIL now. Kids, yeah. kids in high school here in Jersey have uh, have endorsements, and uh, kids are I going mean, to college based on how much money they're going to get in the NIL. More I mean, it's great. It's great seeing what. It's great seeing what you're seeing, though. You're rising the family up, getting these these kids available. But sometimes it might be too much too soon, too. So I guess it all depends on the, on sure. the person, too. Yeah, so. you have. I mean, the, the amount of due diligence you got to do with these kids to know uh, the structure. You know, Danny's had two of his guards in the last four years, Hawkins and the kid Castle, who's a freshman now. Both of their fathers came from cities. Both of their fathers felt 
that everybody around them was being too easy on them, and they wanted them to go. They wanted both young men to go play at uh, UConn because they knew Danny was going to coach them hard, care about them, but really push them. And they didn't want to see the kid end his career and not have reached potential. So what's his name? Was uh, you know Hawkins was only a top sixty player in the country. You know when he was a senior in high school at Dematha. And after his sophomore year, he went to the lottery. So, you know, it doesn't have to happen right away. If you keep working, it can happen. And a Castle's different now. Castle this year is considered a top 10 in the country. So Danny keeps telling him his responsibility, work as hard as he can to justify, you know, the uh, this rating that he has and to live up to his potential. And Because you always, at the end of the day, want to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, you know, I did the best I can. I did the best I could today. Yeah. And uh, he's got the, the Danny's got the, the the big guy in the middle. He, his development. I'm surprised he didn't jump this year, but I guess he needed another year of development. Uh, I probably put yeah, you in yeah, yeah, and, and look, completely, Jim completely loves college. Completely loves being in college. Sure. He loves, uh, he loves, uh, you know, he's from Bristol, Connecticut kid. He lives a half an yeah. away, half an hour away from the campus. Big Bristol Sorry. group comes to every game. His high school coach. I sit, I sit a row behind him and. Uh, and uh, Donovan is meets his high school coach still like once a week. He'll go back to Bristol and just shoot with him for an hour and talk and go have dinner. Oh. He likes being close to home. His his family is at every game, and uh, for him, so it's, uh, he'll have to take. I guess he has to take the money next year, as a, you know, after two years. But uh, they tried this year, and he just wouldn't. He wouldn't go. He wanted to stay in college. Yeah. Just to switch uh, gears a little bit, I mean, this is, I got another book. I think if you go in every library across the country, this <laughs> book is next to, decade, decade, is next to Friday Night Lights. So, so, so I, 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 I didn't hear what you said, Coach, but I mean, that, that book is probably in every library across the country, Friday Night Lights. So, uh, but uh, yeah. this is 20, year, 20 years of the team that Adrian Wojnarowski followed around. So just, if you could just go back in time, that 20 years about, you know, cause that was like the kind of the first book. And I, I heard it on, I think you were getting interviewed by uh mad dog Russo. I went and bought that book that afternoon. It was so, it, it was such a great story. Just growing up in New Jersey, you know, your story, you know, and, and, the, and St. Anthony's. So just talk a little bit about the, you know, looking back at that team 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, then, it's, uh, it's amazing what happened in, in, in 20 years. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, Woj, was writing for the Bergen record, and he, uh, you know, he followed us only a few games, and he called up and he wanted to sit down, and he had the idea of writing a book. Yeah, Woj, Woj, uh, you know, expressed interest in doing something, and he said he was just gonna, you know, he was just gonna basically be with us all the time, and whether it was, and it was gonna start with the. Um, when the season that 03 had finished in the spring before the kids were going to finish their junior year, he started watching them. He went to basketball camp. We went away to camp. He was with them uh, when kids were going to take SATs. He was around, uh, he was around all the time. And I think only one time did we say to him, uh, this is going to be off the record. We didn't know, we didn't know that we should say at times, uh, you know, this should be off the record. So he had full access. And uh, I thought there's a couple of things in there that were just some little things that were inaccurate because I would know about it because I lived it. But by yeah. and large, it was phenomenal. And uh, uh, and those kids now, 
you know, just one of them, you know, there was a large group of guys that uh, were struggling with, uh, you know, the standard we set at St. Anthony's and uh, they all wind up going, you know, they, they all wound up going to college. There were uh, uh, Marcus Williams and uh, Otis uh, Campbell. Uh, they both graduated from St. Francis in Brooklyn. And uh, uh, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, Ahmad Mosby was in college for three years. He works for New Jersey Transit now. Yeah, and, uh, and Shelton, Nibbins, Nibbins Shelton, I think, went down to St. Charles. Shelton Gibbs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah just doing yeah. a senior sort of Shelton Gibbs uh, played it. Nyack and he's a he graduated Nyack and his son now is a good young player. Yeah, and, and then those kids who were a year after Derek Mercer and Ahmad Nivens and Bonnie Anderson and Sean McCurdy, they're all yeah. doing very well. So yeah. a name or two I might not have mentioned have uh, continued to make bad decisions, but if there were if there were ten of them, I think we had eight that that uh, had at least three as a college finished and one. One just is just out and about, and he was, you know, it was going, it was going like that younger. But uh, uh, I think it was a difficult group to work with because they were, uh, there was a lot of dysfunction around the kids, and and school and doing well in school was like the least of their problems, and that was evidenced by so many of them wound up going on to junior colleges because the the transcripts were just not what they needed to be. Yet the kids the uh, the year before them, you know, one kid had gone to Syracuse. Uh, uh, Terrence Roberts gone to Syracuse. Uh, uh, sure. uh, Obi Wadike went to Central Connecticut, and then the, the, the year after these kids graduated, there were you know uh, Chris Gaston went to went to uh, went to Fordham, and there were just uh, you know kids went to some really good schools around them. They just uh, they were doing in their world the best they could, and I think they did. And we're proud of the fact they're all now, uh, you know, functioning in the world. As basketball players, the craziest part of the group was they can floor and play so well together, yet be off the court and be almost dysfunctional. Still be friendly, but have yeah. problems all the time. But yeah. on the floor, their ability to, like, play defense the, as passing for a bunch of guys that were, like, a little, a bit wild. They were so unselfish when they played. We would have to get guys like Marcus Williams, for example. Marcus, you had to yell at Marcus to shoot the ball. He was constantly looking to make plays. He wanted to guard the other team's best player. He didn't care if he took any shots. He was just about winning. And uh, yeah, he was a tough. He was tough. He was a tough player. A tough player too. Oh yeah, he's from the Courageswood. He's from the Courageswood project. And he undersized, he, undersized, but he could, you know, he can, he can play against bigger players. So. And he, and he was like, he was a legendary athlete in Greenville, baseball, football, basketball. And the big fear was if, that he went to, if, if he got out of the neighborhood and went to St. Anthony's, that was going to give him a chance. If he stayed in the neighborhood, neighborhood was just too rough. He was too friendly with guys. You know, his best friend growing up got thrown out of St. Anthony's in freshman year for performing a street robbery. And when they had to, uh, when he was identified, he was identified as a really tall kid whose hair was in braids. So they called me up in probation to say, hey, one of your guys, a tall kid with braided hair, commit a street robbery. So I said, oh, no, no, we have no kids with long hair, whether you're white, brown, black. Everybody gets short hairs. You give up something to be a part of something. I said, you can call the principal now, find out what kids in school 
had long braided hair and it turned out to be one of the kids who was his friend who wasn't playing because he wouldn't get a haircut. And then <laughs> if you move fast forward to five years later, Jim, he winds up committing four armed robberies in the city and gets about a, I know, I think a minimum like eight year sentence. He, he, he did. I think he may be back out now, but I don't know that he can resurrect his life. Yeah, well, it's, uh, that's it's sad to hear. So, yeah. um, just another uh, topic. Uh, it's going to be 35 years since the 1989 championship team that you had. Uh, that's Bobby's years. Bobby and Danny played together. Um, you know, won four state championships in a row, and that was a school that kind of seemed like it sold that St. Anthony story to the to the world. People know about it, New Jersey, knew about Jersey City. But it just seemed like that team really put you guys on a national level, and it's just not having a gym, and how great the team was. You just talk a little bit about the 35 years looking back at that '89 yeah. team. Well, I think from from the starting coach in the '70s, we were progressively uh, we were becoming better. We were getting better players were coming to school. So by the time we from '70. I started into the 80s, early 80s, Mandy Johnson and then David Rivers in 84 and Kenny Wilson and uh, Kenny Wilson in uh, 85. We were getting better players. And all of a sudden now there was these national polls and the national polls now by about 87, 88, we started to appear in those polls and we were getting some invitations to play in some Christmas tournaments. And when we would go someplace to play various best teams from wherever we went, we won every tournament. When we go, and, and Bobby and Jerry played, and then Terry joined them later in high school because he was worked his way up from freshman JV. From freshman year till they graduated, we won every national tournament we played in. And so yeah, they I mean, went from. I remember uh, watching, I guess you played Miami Senior down in, uh, it was on ESPN or it was, uh, you know, it, it was televised. So, you know, it's high school sports was starting. That was kind of like the evolution of, you know, of high school sports getting programs on the map. So, yeah, we had some, we had some great games in terms of senior was by far our best uh, national rivalry. We played a uh, – Shaky Rodriguez was the coach at Miami scene. He was a good friend of mine. He would come up to play in a tournament. We would run. We ran for a few years before Christmas. And then we saw each other in tournaments. We actually coached together in 89. After We had a great year. And he finished second in the country. His only loss was us. We coached together in the DAP game. And we played in the Dapper Dan game. I don't know if he's ever heard this story, but we played. I had Bobby and Billy McCaffrey, and I had Doug Edwards, who played for uh, at Florida, played at Miami Senior, went to Florida State. And I had sure. Jerry Walker, and I had Conrad McRae, great player. Yeah, from, the, from the Bronx. Yeah, Bronx. from the Bronx. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and he, he died very early. He had a heart attack. Yeah. So sad. And we played, uh, we played uh, Jimmy Jackson and Shaquille O'Neal, and Harold Miner, who was the, uh, he was the uh, baby Jordan at the time, was a phenomenal yeah. athlete. Where he went to Texas? Uh, Texas he went to? Harold Miner. He went to USC or UCLA, one of those schools. UCLA. He was phenomenal. Yeah. And he was first-round pick. So they were loaded. And we scrimmaged them for the game on TV, and they beat us up. And then Jerry Walker had, like, a players-only meeting, and he had Conrad McRae so ready to play that when we played the game on television now, 
we outscored this team with Shaq and Jimmy Jackson. I think five guys were uh, really good NBA players. We were up 32-6 to six at one time in this game on television. Wow. And Sonny Vaccaro, who was running the game, came over during the game. And he tapped me on his shoulder and he said, what are you doing to us? People are going to turn this game off. <laughs> and I, you know, I looked over and I said, Sonny, look at who's on this other team. If we call the dogs off, we're going to wind up losing this game. We wind yeah. up winning by about 10. And it was a great accomplishment because they had phenomenal players on the other team. But we had some real good chemistry. McCaffrey and Bobby, Jerry Walker, Conrad yeah. McRae, they were friends. And Doug Edwards was an unsung uh, McDonald's All-American who just didn't have the pro career he could have had, but he was a great college player also. Yeah, that, that Florida State team, they were good. I guess that was with Bob Sarra. I think they, they, they had a good yes. run. Then at Flor yes. Florida State, they had a, they had a, they had a good run, uh, you know, and that was like the first time that it was always a football school. That was the first time, like, yep. basketball-wise, they started breaking through. So, yep. um, but last question. I'm putting something together about Alabama. Coming from Elizabeth St. Mary's, Bullu Man, Bobby Hurley just – I mean, Bobby Knight just passed away. Um, just talk a little bit about – I know you got the 2017, you won the FDU, uh, the Alabama Award uh, up in FDU. Just talk a little bit about Alabama and Bullu Man. Well, he's 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 man he's uh, man defense, you know, and his influences were started in Union County because of St. Mary's Elizabeth, and then it traveled to it traveled everywhere, you know. Bob Knight's basis for his defense was uh, was uh, coaches ball you man, uh, every everybody everyone you know everybody started with his philosophy. And then you, you, you tried to steer it a little bit. And he was successful everywhere he was, everywhere he coached. He was phenomenal. He was, such a, he was such a good man. He was such a character. And he was such an old school authoritarian that you did things his way all the time, every day. Every day. And I knew him, loved him. I had a kid when I first started coaching, Howie Wilson, went to FDU to play for him right away after I sent him, he graduated in 74 and he went to temple for a year, came back from temple. And then he started at the point for three years for Al Balbo. And, uh, he, he was an excellent defensive guard. He would, uh, you know, run the offense. And if he did something in a game, like dribble across half court and stop to see what coach wanted to have called, he would stop, and put the ball between his legs, or stop. Put the ball behind his back, and his substance, his his uh, replacement now would go to the table, and he'd take him out because he was showboating when he would just stop. And because he grew up in the playground, dribble between the legs and behind the back, like uh, everybody in the playground did that in the cities, and he would yank him for that. And you know who he would put in the game? Seth Greenberg from television. Sure, sure. He was yeah. the, he was his backup. It was he was the. Uh, he was the, the second point guard, and how he was the starter. Brilliant defensive strategist. Uh, he tempoed the game. If there was no shot clock, there was no way that you were going to be able to get control of the game. And he could knock off his team, could play anybody, and they would have a chance to win because he was just, you know, he was the, what do you call it, the godfather of man-to-man -man defense. Yeah, and his teams would play anybody anywhere. I, I know his record doesn't doesn't show it, but he, you know, he played. Didn't matter where you were, he 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 played you on your on your field on your on your court. You know, and he went. You know, he went to St. John's and he assisted Luke Conaseca with the defense there. 
He was at he was at Army. Taught Bob Knight the ball, you man. You know Bob Knight was not a defensive guy. He had played at Ohio State. They were a fast game, a fast paced team. He learned the, the half court defense and deliberate offense. A good part of that from uh, his Al uh, Al's influence. Just phenomenal. The top of the uh, top of the chart for you know Dean Smith is another one influenced the game with the different in, things that he put in. Al started off the defensive end. He changed basketball. What he did defensively. Yeah, thanks, coach. One last one last question. I'll let you go. Uh, White Eagle Hall. It's still there. You pass by there, and can you imagine? You know the bingo parlor, and uh, you know now they're having venues there. They're having uh, shows. They're having like. Uh, can you just uh, back when you guys played the practice there? What it is now, White Eagle Hall. Well, it's, it's, you got to you know, get a kick out of White Eagle. Time, you know, you, you have the cycle of life. Danny had his fiftieth anniversary, his fiftieth birthday. That his wife had a surprise birthday party there, in what is now like a uh, a real uh, you know upscale place to go. <laughs> and you know, White Eagle Hall. My God, it was a dump. It was you know the <laughs> basket like a... on the stage yeah. would f- have fallen off the stage, except there's radiators were tied to the back of it. So if a kid dunked the ball, it the weight on the back from the radiators would snap the basket back up. So oh, they geez. have to break away rims. We had a breakaway basket where the basket would snap back up in place because of the weight of the radiators. They would overhangs around the court. You couldn't shoot from the corners at one end. It's like the old, you know, the old CYO gyms. And uh, and we had to set up bingo tables on a Saturday and then take them down on Sunday. And like everybody recruited kids over the years, coaches that didn't go over and grab chairs and help with the tables just weren't looked at the same as the guys who dug in. <laughs> and like somebody like PJ, PJ Colissimo, yeah. I couldn't tell you how many years he was in there doing the tables. PJ, if I wasn't available, he could have set the tables up. He was there yeah. so many times. And maybe maybe and done was, bingo, whatever. Who knows? Who knows it was what? always yeah, it was always a Saturday night bingo. And then we would take it down on Sunday. And every once in a while they'd have a Sunday, they might have a Sunday uh, event there. Not too many because God knows who would want to rent this place for an event. But in the old days downtown, both Holy Rosary Parish and St. Anthony Parish, that's where they had all the weddings and all the events were in that building. And then over time, it just, you know, it was falling apart. The man who, who bought it, you know, he gutted the place and put a ton of money in it. And now it's like a really a music, uh, yeah, music con- venue. Yeah, they have concerts there and yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's unreal, but listen, coach, this is episode number one this is a new venture of mine. I appreciate the time. I appreciate you calling me back and thanks for Mrs. Hurley for being the technical advisor here. <laughs> I, I really, I really appreciate it. Good luck to season. I'll be watching and, and listen, you look great. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I mean, thank you very much for the time. Like I great, said, great I appreciate it. Uh, take, take care, sir. Uh, and have a great day. All right. Good luck, Coach, and thank you for the time and opportunity. It's been an honor and privilege to speak to you again. I know our paths crossed over the, over the years. Uh, I appreciate appreciate the time here. Also, uh, good luck to uh, UConn and Arizona State. I know you're going to be uh, watching intently, and uh, I appreciate. Uh, look forward to uh, more episodes coming up on the Chop Sports Network with uh, Midlife Crisis host Jim Whalen. Thank you very much, and that's show number one in the books.